Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, a complete recap of Hell in a Cell. What happened on Raw last night? We're on the road to Survivor Series, which means we're on the road to Royal Rumble, which means we're kind of sort of technically on the road to WrestleMania and a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Hey everybody, episode 314 of Not Sam Wrestling. I know, it's not Monday morning. It's Tuesday midday, Sam. What are you doing to us? Look, here's my thinking. I figured this was the best way to do it this week. You know, I, I so Sunday night, I don't know if you guys were watching. I was a part of WWE Watch Along on the WWE YouTube channel, and I believe it's up on the WWE Network as well. So that's where I watched Hell in a Cell. I watched it with uh, with uh, Evan and Matt from The Bump, uh, and we had a ton of guests. We actually had some great moments. If you didn't watch it, go on YouTube and scroll through it. There was some fun stuff. Mick Foley and Jimmy Corderas, Uh we watched the main event with them. Uh, got some great insight from Mick Foley. Got some great insight from Jimmy Corderas, former referee too, but also uh, had some fun at Jimmy's expense. We got to talk to uh, Montez Ford and Bianca Belair while the Sasha Bailey match was on. And I feel like the Montez Ford, Sasha, uh, uh, Bianca Belair, Sam Roberts beef might be squashed, but I don't want to put the, uh, any carts before any horses. So we'll see. It feels like it might be squashed, but I don't know for sure. Uh, but it was a really fun time and 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 several fun moments and me sneaking my way out of uh, Skittle zombie bets and all that stuff. So, but so I, I also watched the show without most of the sound, right? So I came home after that thing goes out live, obviously, uh, and I was like, look, I mean, I would have to kind of recap some of the pay-per-view and then come down to the studio at like midnight and then try to, I'd already be exhausted because I did the watch along show. And then I got to wake up the next morning for radio and I try to rush through it. So I was like, you know what? Let me do the show on Monday. Let me do the show on Monday. And then Monday came around and it's Monday afternoon. I'm like, by the time the podcast actually went up, it would probably be about 5, 6 p.m. on Monday, two hours before Raw starts. I think if you put out a topical wrestling podcast two hours before Monday Night Raw starts, you do not have a brain that has computing or thinking power. If you're going to put out a podcast two hours before Raw starts, you might as well just wait, see what happens on Raw, and then do a proper podcast after that. So here we are, episode 314 on a Tuesday, and I'm happy to be here with you. Uh, Firstly, I want to say, I very much appreciate uh, all the people that checked in with Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network. Of course, a completely different experience than this podcast, but the essence is the same. I wanted Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network to be a product that is uh, targeted towards TV watching. You know, I feel like this podcast, while some of the people, some of the shills at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling do get to watch it live and get to watch video of the whole thing. In my mind, I, I think about it as an audio uh, uh, piece. I think about it as audio content. TV, I think, is a little different. I think TV moves at a different pace. I think the, the visual thing, uh, commanding attention, this is more passive listening, where television is more active listening So uh, or, or viewing, I guess. So, you know, uh, and, and also being on the WWE Network is a fun and exciting thing. And when they give me an hour of time, to fill every week, I want to take absolute full advantage of it and just kind of do everything that I've always wanted to do. So, you know, going forward, the show is going to be formatted pretty similarly to what the first episode looks like. This episode, this week on Thursday at 10 a.m., the show will go up on the free version of the WWE Network. It'll be the Halloween special. I don't want to spoil anything just yet as, a, as far as who the guests are or anything like that, but I will have a guest on every week like X-Pac was this week. And by the way, uh, 
what blew my mind uh, in the interview with X-Pac that we did for Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network was when we were talking about the one, two, three kid and me saying, because I'm very, very fascinated by the idea of characters maybe not working and what is the mentality that you have to have in order to make that work. The one, two, three kid was unprecedented. There was nothing that said that would work, but X-Pac, Sean Waltman explaining that even if he was insecure about the one, two, three kid working, which he wasn't, because he was secure with his own abilities. But even if he had been insecure with his own abilities, that something that I never even put two and two together on was that the one, two, three kid was just as much about getting himself over as an underdog, that it was equally as important, that, or probably even more important, I would say, than getting the one, two, three kid as kind of an underdog star was using the one two three kid as the device to get Razor Ramon over as a good guy, and while that's where we went, I guess I didn't realize that from the beginning of the angle, the point was to make Razor Ramon a good guy, and that was a high priority of the company. Clearly, I mean he's one of the biggest stars on the roster at the time, so I thought that was amazing. You always get a lot of insight when X Pac is on the show, so if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, go over to the WWE Network. Uh, it'll be in the originals. It'll be in the uh, recently up uploaded or updated or whatever uh, if you go through the list. Or you can just search Not Sam or Not Sam Wrestling. You'll find it. It's not tough to find. But definitely check it out if you haven't yet. And Thursday, there will be a new episode, as there will be every Thursday uh, on the free version of the WWE Network. So let's talk about it. Let's take advantage of the fact that we're on a Tuesday and let's talk about Raw. Specifically, let's talk about the ending. I'm going to go through all of Hell in a Cell and what I thought about it. But I feel like we have to start with Randy and Drew just because of the way Raw went off the air. Raw, uh, the ending was wonky for me. The ending of Raw was wonky. I loved the ending to Hell in a Cell. You know, I when I was putting kind of the show together in my head, you know if I, I think... I don't know what podcast I was on. I did I did this podcast. I did the Patreon podcast. I did Wade Keller's podcast all last week. So on one or more of those podcasts, I said, basically, I kind of think that Roman Reigns and Jey Uso should go on last, but that's really only because I think it should be part of Roman Reigns' gimmick that he only wrestles last. I like the idea of Roman Reigns publicly saying that he doesn't wrestle unless he wrestles last. That said, and I said this last week, if that is not the case, then to me, Roman and Jay opening the show makes the most sense. I think stacking Hell in a Cell matches is a risk that you don't need to take. Um, and I felt like I didn't feel like Drew McIntyre was going to leave Hell in a Cell as the WWE champion. Whether it was Randy Orton or The Miz that left that show as champion, I didn't know. But I didn't think... Drew McIntyre was going to leave his champion, and that's why I was advocating for that match to go on last, and, and I'm glad that it did go on last. I thought the match was great. Um, I liked that, uh, you know, some people were not so wowed at the at the spot, you know, of, of Drew and Randy going off the side of the cell because we've seen it before. But realistically, I mean, I think it's amazing the fact that they went up on top of it. And that shot that they got of Drew and Randy up that high, wrestling on top of the cell, in the Thunderdome screens. Like, that's how high up they were. The shots that they had, not only with the real camera, but that digital camera that could pan the whole place. Um, I thought that looked awesome. And we had Mick Foley on the watch along, and he was saying that even on the old cell, which this new cell is quite a bit taller than the old cell, but even on the old cell, he said that he got up there, and he had not been up on top of the cell before the match. He lied. He said he had. He told Vince he had, but he had not been. Uh, and so he said he went up there, and when he looked down, it was so high up, everybody looked like ants. He had no idea how high it would be. This, this is even taller. And even though you're at the Thunderdome, so, you know, people on the screens, it's just, you know, you're still that high up. Um, so I liked that that happened. I liked that only one match really, you know, left the cell. Only one match took a bump like that. You know, I thought they did a good job of disciplining the matches so they were all different. Um, and I loved I loved that Randy won, and I loved the way he won. 
I loved the false uh, uh, finishers, not finishes so much, finishers, you know, the ducking of the Claymore, the pushing away out of the RKO. Randy finally hits the RKO, and boom, he gets the championship. But we get to Raw, and obviously Drew McIntyre is not happy, and that makes sense. That I'm totally fine with. Um, he has a match with The Miz. He beats The Miz. That I'm totally fine with. I think The Miz is finally in a position where since he's got the briefcase, it's not that big of a deal if he loses matches because he can win the title whenever. Now, the way things are set up at the moment, I don't see a path for The Miz to successfully cash in that briefcase, but he does have until May to do so. So maybe there just won't be a rush for it. You know, I, if Drew were the champion then I see Miz cashing in on Drew. I just don't see Miz cashing in on Randy Orton unless what I felt was happening is actually happening. You know, there is a possibility that what I felt was happening was not so much something being overlooked, but actually purposeful. I'll tell you what I felt was happening. It was in the last segment of Raw. I, I mean, you know, I think Alexa Bliss is a, an MVP. And I'm not surprised by it. This is the exact character I was hoping for. Uh, I was saying it all along. I love that they just pulled the trigger on it. I love that she's her Bray's second. Uh, the way she was talking to Randy was so great. The way Randy was responding to her was so great. The, I thought the Moment of Bliss segment was money. The subtle differences in the Alexa Bliss character and now the kind of awkwardness of seeing this new funhouse Alexa sitting in the old Alexa's talk show. I, I I thought that that was the, the, the subtleties were used. I thought it was great. Um, and then Drew comes out and Drew just runs out and starts beating up Randy Orton. And I'm sitting there going like, why is Drew McIntyre mad? I mean, I'm going to tell you something. The ambulance match Drew needed help of like 200 legends to win the match, right? We get to Hell in a Cell, he loses. He straight up loses. I said it on the watch along. Randy didn't just win the match. Randy beat Drew. He won. There's no getting around that. He was the better man at Hell in a Cell. And so you show up on Raw, and now Drew, after losing the match, where there was an interference, winning the match where there was interference, is now being a sore loser and beating up Randy Orton. Drew's got no reason to beat up Randy Orton. Drew McIntyre should not be mad at Randy Orton for winning the championship. Drew McIntyre should be mad at himself because he lost to Randy Orton. The reason Drew McIntyre lost is just as much his own fault as it is Randy Orton's fault. And so this idea that he would come out and attack Randy Orton, he has absolutely no reason to attack Randy Orton. None whatsoever. Especially with that kind of brutality. And so Randy Orton backs away from him. And now Randy Orton is cornered by The Fiend. The Fiend is right behind him. And while you could look at this and say, well, Randy is afraid of The Fiend. So he escapes where the fiend is and he starts walking towards McIntyre. But if you looked at Randy's face, he made the conscious decision to walk towards Drew McIntyre. He wasn't just going like, I got to run away from the fiend. Oh no, here's Drew McIntyre. He was like, well, the fiend's right behind me. McIntyre's in front of me. So right there, he's telling you, I'm less afraid of Drew McIntyre than The Fiend. You could sit there and say, no, he's saying he's more afraid of The Fiend than Drew McIntyre, which is true, but if that's true, then he has to be less afraid of Drew McIntyre than The Fiend, which means that one of the top people in WWE today, the WWE champion, views The Fiend as a bigger threat than the man that he defeated, fair and square, for the WWE Championship at Hell in a Cell, Drew McIntyre. And instead of Drew saying, you know what, let's settle this when it counts. Let's settle this in a match. Let's settle this when the title's on the line. He just starts beating up Randy Orton. And that's how you go off the air. I don't know how. I mean, Randy didn't look 
cowardly escaping the Fiend, the Fiend is a greater threat than Drew McIntyre. It was established. Randy looked determined. Randy looked kind of ballsy walking right up to Drew McIntyre. I watched that segment, and I said, the Fiend is fine. The Fiend is being the Fiend. But from the minute that Drew McIntyre went out and started beating up Randy Orton, I was like, well, I don't like that guy. That's an unlikable thing to do. I felt like Drew came across like a bad guy. And I was like, how do you not love Randy? Randy came across like a good guy. It's not like he was just escaping the Fiend. It's not like it was just the Fiend after him. The Fiend and Drew McIntyre were both there after Randy Orton. And the reason the Fiend and Drew McIntyre were both there after Randy Orton was not some comeuppance that Randy deserved. They were both there trying to get their hands on a title that Randy Orton earned. Randy did nothing wrong in the whole scenario of last night. Drew did. Drew morally had the lower ground. Randy had the higher ground morally. When I watched that show last night, I said, if I am just turning on Raw for the first time, if I've never seen WWE before, I'm going, Randy's my guy. Randy Orton is a good guy. Drew McIntyre is a bad guy. And The Fiend is The Fiend. Which, if that's the story you're trying to tell, that's cool. I'm fine with that. But I don't know why you would. You spent a lot of time making Drew McIntyre the top good guy. You spent a lot of time giving us reasons to love Drew McIntyre. I think for the most part, Drew McIntyre's been extremely good. I think Drew McIntyre's title reign has been quite successful, especially in the era that we're in. But I think that segment last night left me with nothing but feelings that Drew McIntyre is a villain. And Randy Orton came across like a hero. Maybe it was done on purpose. I don't know. But we'll see, you know. And then you have Randy Orton going into Survivor Series to have his match with Roman Reigns because they are doing champions versus champions again. And I'm going like, well, Roman's going to be the heel there. You know, I, I, I'm looking at that going like Roman right now. And I don't know what's going to happen on SmackDown. Who knows? But based on what we saw at Hell in a Cell and based on what we saw on Raw, Randy Orton's the good guy and Roman's the bad guy. There's no doubt about it. Randy Orton won his match fair and square and then was attacked by his opponent on Raw. Roman Reigns pretended to cry and then attacked the injured brother, who happens to also be his cousin, of his opponent in order to get his opponent to say, I quit. That is a dastardly thing to do. That is a win-at-all-cost thing to do. That is not fair and square. You can't say that Roman Reigns was the better man that night. You could say that Roman Reigns wormed his way into a victory. Randy didn't worm his way into anything. Randy was the better man at Hell in a Cell. So I was, uh, I was perplexed, to tell you the truth, at what was happening. Unless what I'm saying is intentional, and that's what's happening. In which case, success. But it's just not what I predicted. It's not what I thought would have happened with Randy and Drew, and maybe it's not happening. You know? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, I thought, and, and here's what I think should happen with the WWE Championship. You know, I, I, I think that at times WWE starts to feel like, it. it I mean, I, I've, I can't remember, what was the show that I talked about this with? Maybe, I don't remember what it was. But it was about stuff feeling neat. Stuff feeling neat and put together. And I think, I think we need a little less of that in wrestling. I think we need a little less neatness in WWE. I think, because like you're watching Raw and, and you kind of already go like, okay, what are they going to do? Like maybe a triple threat? What is it going to be? Drew versus Bray versus Randy? And when is this happening? Is this happening at the December pay-per-view? I don't know. I think you should, first of all, I think you should be telling stories leading up to Survivor Series. And we'll get to Survivor Series in a minute. But I, I think that you should have multiple stories going on all at once. I think there should be multiple people who all, all have justification for a title match. Um, and I don't think they should all get the opportunity. I don't think we need a multi-man match. I think... 
and they shouldn't be interacting. I think that Randy, as champion, should be looking out at the raw landscape and seeing that Drew wants him, that the Fiend wants him, that the Miz is is sniffing around the corner with the briefcase at any moment. And while, yes, technically you could say like, well, duh, Sam, that's what's going on. But that's not really what's going on. Because the Miz is over here just with the briefcase, not really, you know, just just kind of knowing that he's he's in the bullpen, I guess. And Drew and the Fiend and Randy almost became one story already within one show. I think you should have Drew McIntyre cutting promos on Randy and The Miz cutting promos on Randy and The Fiend cutting promos on Randy. Have multiple people cutting promos on the champion. Meanwhile, Randy is cutting promos on Roman Reigns. That's the pay-per-view that we're looking towards. It's in, what, three or four weeks? I think you should turn on the TV and kind of not know what's going to happen next. You've got three credible people all going, hey, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And Randy going like, I hear you guys, but Roman, you're next and blah, blah, blah. And now you've got multiple stories interweaving with each other. As opposed to multiple people forming one story. You know, I I, I think that, that, that there should be different stories that kind of overlay each other as opposed to just creating one story that all these people can fit into. I think that that's where you start going like, like, okay, we, we, that's where it starts to get unpredictable again. That's where it starts to get to a place where you're, you're going, I don't know exactly what the pay-per-view in December is going to be. You can, and that's the type of stuff that, that that's how you look at the attitude era. And there were, challengers popping up all over the place for different titles because you had multiple stories happening all at the same time and they were kind of overlapping each other but they were not combining and I think that can be a very valuable asset like I think for instance it doesn't work for everything you know I think on Smackdown the story that's being told and being told really 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 well is Roman Reigns the tribal chief of that family so I don't think that that story needs to leave that family. I think that that story is fine being just Roman and Jay, and you can include Jimmy. You know, I, I don't think that another opponent should be introduced for Roman until the Samoan dynasty family story is done being told. However, Raw is a, is a different ballgame, you know? And I think over on SmackDown, there are other stories that can be told with other people and other titles. And there is still some overlapping that can happen, but you can, you, you just on raw, you've entered into something where you can clearly have, and that's how you keep people main eventers too, is that, is that you have these overlapping stories that are all happening at the same time. So getting into hell in a cell, like I said, Orton and drew, I thought was great. I thought all three hell in a cell matches delivered on exactly what I wanted them to deliver on. All three hell in a cell matches were different. All three hell in a cell matches told a different story. Uh, the, uh, uh, Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre match was that blood feud story. The Sasha Banks, Bailey match was that probably best actual match match story. And the Roman J Uso was the best story story. Uh, was Sasha Banks versus Bailey better than takeover Brooklyn? Probably not. I don't think you're ever going to have those two do a better match than that match. And it's not necessarily just because of the quality of the match. It's because of the period of time. It's because of the venue. It's because of where those two were in their careers. Like all that stuff, all the elements have to be taken into consideration. Everything has to line up perfectly. And that could happen again, but it'd be very, very difficult. All that said, I thought their Hell in a Cell match was phenomenal. I thought it was really great. I loved that there was a, a declarative winner you know, if you want to, you can have Bailey want a rematch. You know, you can have Bailey want another shot at Sasha Banks or 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 want to fight her in December. But you don't have to. You know, it was really clear who won that match as well. Sasha Banks putting her foot on top of Bailey and raising the title. That was the coronation of Sasha Banks as the top 
good guy women's wrestler on SmackDown, period. She is the number one female on SmackDown. And maybe technically, with Becky Lynch gone and Charlotte gone, I would say that Sasha Banks probably, yeah, took her spot as the number one female in the company right now. Certainly the number one good guy female in the company right now. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I think Sasha Banks is the number one woman in WWE. And that's the message that was sent loud and clear. And by the way, everything she did throughout that match backed up why she should be in that position. I don't think it was just a last minute decision to have her putting her foot on top of Bailey and raising the SmackDown Women's Championship. This doesn't feel like one of those Sasha Banks title runs that's going to last for one or two defenses and then be over. This feels like this is this is the one. This is the long-term Sasha Banks Women's Championship storyline that we've been waiting for for a long time. So I'm excited to see what happens, uh, and I love, I love the evolution. I think it's a good choice. I think it's a very good choice. I think it's the right choice as well. Uh, you had Roman uh, and Jay, like I said, just phenomenal storytelling. Um, you know, I, I thought, I mean, give him an Oscar. Roman Reigns bringing those tears, bringing those emotions, and then snapping right out of them and looking at Jimmy like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you're dealing with? There really was that feeling that, that Roman was looking at Jimmy and Jay Uso as if to say, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, on a, I'm a different type of cat. I'm on another level from you guys. We are not the same. Okay? Now stop. Now stop it. I thought it was a very creative way that, that it's not just a burial of Jay. Jay was able to save face. I do still wonder if we're going to see the eventual turn of Jimmy or... Maybe Jimmy and Jay see the error of their ways. I mean, I think the only place that you can go with this is for Roman to build a faction. You know, I, I think that eventually you will have to have Roman get back into the traditional pool of SmackDown talent. That eventually you will have to have Roman leave the comfort of the tribal council and come in and start uh, competing against, I don't know, uh, you know, the Kevin Owens of the world, the Daniel Bryans of the world, the different, you know, the different main event good guys on SmackDown. I think there's plenty of people there that you could build them to a match with Roman Reigns. But I think in order for that to happen, you're going to have to put some kind of bow on this story. And I think that the only place you're going to be able to end up is having the Usos and Roman be a faction and, 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 and that family coming together. You know, I, I thought, and, and I love the twists and turns this thing is taking, you know, I said that I thought Jimmy was going to turn on Jay. Uh, we were talking about it. We did a zoom party before Helena cell and I forget how it came up uh, for the Patreon people, of course. And I forget how it came up, but uh, we were talking about Rikishi and Rikishi coming out to save Jay. And I said, my idea was, what if Rikishi comes out and turns on his kids because his kids don't know any better? What if Rikishi comes out and, and he makes it so that Roman beats his son because Rikishi knows how valuable Roman's contributions are to the family? I don't think anybody saw it coming where we'd see the, the original Afa and Sika the original Wild Samoans, Roman's dad, and I, I don't know, his, his uncle, or I don't know what the relation is. At some point, we'll do a full Anawai family tree. But the original tag team partner of Sika, Afa, of course. Um, as Roman was walking up that ramp, and Paul Heyman, just playing his role perfectly, where Paul Heyman is not the puppet master here. Paul Heyman is not the orchestrator here. Paul Heyman is simply following instructions. Paul Heyman does not know what is going on with this family. And I, I, I think it's perfect for him. But he's so good at maintaining who he is as that bad guy advocate. But changing his character to better reflect the characters that he's representing, which I just love. But Paul 
looking on in as much mystery as all of us were at home. Because I think as, as all of us were watching that pay-per-view and Roman was walking up that ramp, we're going, what is, what is, what is going to happen here? Like, is he going to knock out his dad? Are the Wild Samoans going to be on his side? And the fact, and you, and you saw, you saw that coldness almost that must exist within that family where they put business first, where they, they're sitting there anointing him. They're saying, yes, Roman, you are the guy. And they're doing it right in front of Jimmy and Jay. Guys, we're the, the elder statesmen, the patriarchs of this family, the patriarchs of the Samoan dynasty are sitting there saying, Roman is our guy. We follow Roman. And all the Usos can do is look on. Loved it. Loved it. Because I really didn't know. I, 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 it could have gone either way. But I think it went the right way. I love that, that, that Jimmy and Jay come to this realization that they are outsiders in their own family. That in their quest, because it's almost like, oh, maybe Roman's right. Maybe Roman isn't such a villain after all. Maybe the family does need Roman, and maybe the rest of the family knows it, and Jimmy and Jay are trying to disrupt things for their own selfish reasons because that's the way Roman sees things, or that's the way he claims to see things. So, you know, I, I thought another twist in the Roman Reigns-Paul Heyman story that has been going so well on SmackDown, um, and I thought it was a real highlight of Hell in a Cell. To me, the pay-per-view was those three matches. You know, I think you... you, you know, the I mean, the Retribution match. Poor Retribution. Poor Retribution. You look at the the Raw before Hell in a Cell. You look at the U.S. title match between Slapstick and Bobby Lashley. And then you look at the eight-man eliminator on Raw. I, I swear to you, on Raw, I thought they were setting up to have a reason, like when, when the double countout happened. When first... Reckoning, or as the referee called her, Mia. Oh my God, I'd be furious if I'm running that company and that referee is sitting in the ring going, Mia, 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 Mia. I'm sitting at home going, her name's Reckoning. Why do you keep calling her Mia? We see the blue hair. We know who she is. That doesn't mean you have to draw attention to it, referee. I'd be losing my mind backstage if that was my show. Stop calling her that. Her name's Reckoning. You know, when, when, when T-Bar's in there, you're not going to sit there and go like, all right, let's go, Dijakovic. No. It's T-Bar. Why rename people if you're not going to use their renames? So I thought when Mia came in, I guess, as the referee was calling her, and did that really weird seizure thing, I mean, I guess it was just done to keep people watching through the break. But the fact that she only came clean during the break, it was like after the fall had already happened, she could have come clean, but she didn't. The fall happened. I think it was MVP or whoever it was, was eliminated. And then she still kept doing the bugs all over my skin itchy thing. And then they went to commercial break. And then she goes, JK, I'm fine, and got kicked out. Which, I mean, again, I guess it was because you were going to stay tuned to commercials to see if Mia Reckoning was, was really covered in bugs. I don't know. But when that elimination happened and then the double countout, I was like, oh, they're actually setting this up where Reckoning is going to, uh, Reckoning, Retribution, whatever their name is, is going to get a victory. Retribution is, I don't think they've ever won a match. I don't know why. Anybody on the roster would be afraid of them at this point. And they say, well, we win when you suffer. It's like, I'm not suffering. Yeah, we got beat up a little bit in the ring, but we won. We won every match. We still got the title. We gave you a title shot. You lost. We win all the time. I mean, at this point, I'm like, storyline-wise, it feels like Retribution is a bad signing because they signed them, you know, and now they can do whatever they want. And a terrible draft pick. Even though they got all five of them, it's like they haven't, they just lose matches all the time. So, you know, I feel bad for them. 
I don't know what the what the long term thinking is. I think it's a f creative idea. I don't mind retribution as a group, and I think that Ali is perfect as the leader, and I think the promos have been good, and I think Ali's commitment level has been evident. I think if you look at the Twitter accounts of Retribution members, it seems like they're all on board, but then they just lose all the matches. So, you know, I, I mean, even even the promo that the Hurt Business did before the match was like, well, we're going to win this match, and then we want our payment, so here's what's going to happen after the match. And you're like, the match hasn't even happened yet. How do you know you're going to win? And then they won, and you're like, oh, okay. All right, you were right. All right, okay, you were right. You were right. I mean, I guess they won by disqualification, but they still won. But even at the pay-per-view, like the run-in, which could have at least been a disqualification when it happened after the tap-out. So Bob Lashley won the match. Bob Lashley got his Lashley lock on him and won the thing. And then, you know, Retribution came in and everything. So, you know, that was that. The Elias versus Jeff Hardy match. It's interesting to see where Jeff Hardy's going. A little bit of a, a darker side of Jeff Hardy, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, I wasn't mad at it. I, I wasn't sitting there going like, oh, wow, that was the match of the night. It was just like, okay, you know, I, I get where they don't want Jeff Hardy to necessarily lose. You know, they don't want him to get, like, just beaten. But at the same time, Elias has an album coming out, so they don't want to beat him. So, you know, I think at some point you're going to have to choose one of them to win. But I was fine with Jeff Hardy and Elias. It just it didn't move me one way or the other. Um, and then I liked where they went with uh, Miz and, and Otis. I'm curious to see what's going to happen, you know, especially because Otis and Tucky are on two separate brands. I don't know if maybe they'll uh, utilize the Survivor Series rule and do a Tucky versus Otis match. But, uh, yeah, I thought Tucky might have had a little bit of time on Raw. Uh, I guess they're going to try to go solo bad guy uh with him which i'm totally fine with you know they weren't really using him so you know i didn't see it coming uh it got the miz the briefcase uh miz looked dastardly otis looked sympathetic and uh like he was a force to be reckoned with uh to some degree so i really wasn't mad at that at all i thought it was i thought it was uh pretty good you know especially after morrison got sent out and you were like oh is otis actually gonna win and then I don't think anybody saw the Tucky turn happening. So it was something. It was cool. I, I didn't mind it at all. I liked it. So I don't know if that's going to happen uh, at Survivor Series. It seems like that would be the logical place to do it since you put them on two separate brands. It seems like that would be a loophole that you could use. But I don't know. Uh, let's talk about Survivor Series. So I've been saying that. Well, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the fact is that uh, they are doing the uh, Raw and SmackDown collide one time a year, champion versus champion uh, matches. So they're doing, and I thought New Day did a really good job on Raw of dressing like the Street Profits and acting like the Street Profits. I think, I think you have to, at least in some of these matches, build some kind of brand loyalty. And, like, maybe have Sasha Banks go, like, I'm. it's not enough to be the SmackDown Women's Champion. I'm here to prove that SmackDown has the best women's division. And so since I'm the champion, I'm the best woman in WWE, you know? I think, you know, Roman has to disrespect the WWE Championship. I think, uh, uh, you know, I, there, there, there's, there, there should be some brand loyalty in some of these matches, you know? And this idea of supremacy. One being better than the other, I, I think would be a good thing. Uh, interesting note about Survivor Series that we're clearly not getting uh, NXT uh, in these matches. You know, there was no mention of an NXT team being built for the Raw or SmackDown elimination match. And they announced straight up, it's Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns. It's not Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor, uh, the way it was last year. So, and it's not uh, Io Shirai versus Asuka versus Sasha Banks. Although, can you imagine how badass it would be if it was Io Shirai versus Asuka versus Sasha Banks? Oh, that's probably the best because you'd have, you know, I don't know that Finn Balor, I'm, I'm interested to see Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns as it is. So I don't know that adding Finn Balor to that match makes me want to see it more. Adding Io Shirai to Asuka and Sasha Banks does make me want to see that more. I think that would be a badass triple threat. 
Uh, and then the tag team, uh, Danny Birch and Oni Lorkin being added to New Day and Street Profits. Uh, I'd be okay with it. I'd be cool with it. Pat McAfee probably at ringside. That would be fun. But I'm I'm probably more interested in just seeing Street Profits versus New Day, I think. I think that's going to be a sleeper of a match. I think that's going to be a really fun match. Um, But like I said, I do think stories need to be built into these matches. I think that it's very convenient timing that Randy won the WWE Championship. Because like I said, I said from the beginning, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns is my WrestleMania match. Drew McIntyre is a good guy. Roman Reigns is a bad guy. That, to me, should be the WrestleMania main event. Um, so the fact that we got the title off of Drew and we're able to do Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns instead of blowing Drew versus Roman at the, you know, Raw versus SmackDown pay-per-view, I think is a good thing. I think it's a very good thing. I think it's a good thing for Drew. I think it's a good thing for Roman. I think it's a good thing for Randy. Uh, I would imagine Roman Reigns wins this match. I would imagine The Fiend makes his presence known. Although The Fiend does have some history with Roman Reigns, but I, I, I would imagine that The Fiend makes his presence known. Roman beats Randy and we lead to a match with The Fiend and Randy Orton. It's very early to be making any predictions. We still got weeks and weeks and weeks, but uh, that's what I would think would happen. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. Oh, and then also Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. Should be interesting. I think that's going to be Bobby Lashley. I think it's got to be. Um, but it should be interesting. And then your five-on-five uh, five five elimination matches. You got two of them. You got the women's five-on-five, five, and you got the men's five-on-five. The Raw women's team is Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, and Lana, who won, I think it was a fatal four-way match on Raw to get that last spot. Uh, not before, uh, only after to find a table, courtesy of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Look, I don't know how you guys are feeling about this, but honestly, I could turn on Raw every week and watch Lana get put through a table. I think it is so... Funny. Nothing against Lana whatsoever, by the way. I, I, I just I just love the idea of building sympathy for a character by having another character put them through a table every single week. You know, I mean, I just sit there thinking about Lana, you know, winning that match and then realizing she's getting beat down and Nia Jax grabs her and just what's going on in her mind. You got to be kidding me again. You're going to do this to me again. No. You gotta be kidding me! And then, boom, right through the table. I love it. I think it's funny. I, I I'm a fan of it. Um, but as far as that team looks, uh, looks good. Um, I would say that the SmackDown women's team, since Sasha Banks and Asuka obviously have their own thing going on, I'm a little surprised that Lacey Evans isn't in it. To tell you the truth, that. I'm not surprised that Lana got picked. I guess it's what you're left with. You know, if you want to put Mandy and Dana on a team together and have them both in, and you want to put Nia and Shayna on a team together and put them both in, you're only left with one spot. I would have been surprised if Lana wasn't in the match based on how she's been shown on Raw. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I wonder what's uh, what the cool down with Lacey Evans is all about. I would think that the SmackDown women's team will look, and Naomi, too. Naomi was drafted to Raw and nothing. Nothing. Hmm. The SmackDown women's team will probably be Bailey, Bianca, Carmella. I don't think they'll put Billy Kay on that team because they didn't. If they put Peyton Royce on, they might have put Billy Kay. They'll probably put Zelina. Maybe Bailey, Carmella, Bianca, Zelina. And uh, I'm looking right now. I'm looking right now because I don't want to forget anybody. I don't want to be uh, caught not thinking of anybody that is obvious. Uh, but I don't think, who would I be missing? Oh, you got the Riot Squad. You got Natty, but Natty hasn't really done anything. You know, I changed my opinion. It might be, it might be Bailey, Bianca, Carmella, and the Riot Squad. That's probably your SmackDown women's team. Bailey, Bianca, Carmella, Ruby Riot, and Liv Morgan is probably what your SmackDown team. That's how I would probably make the SmackDown team look. And then the men's team is even more interesting. 
Because the men's team we saw in matches on Raw. AJ Styles won the first one. Uh, he beat Jeff Hardy. I think that was the way to go. I, AJ Styles with the manager, to me, is money. I, I think AJ Styles could be WWE champion with that manager. Although, you know, main event scene is looking good. I think if Randy Orton's the champion, that's not the time for AJ Styles to chase it because I think Randy's supposed to be a bad guy, so is AJ Styles. But if Drew McIntyre were to get the title back at some point, AJ Styles is a great opponent for Drew. Uh, but yeah, so I think that was the right call. Uh, Keith Lee is on the team, which it'll be really interesting to see. Again, we're a few weeks away, but I am anxious to see how Keith Lee looks at this Survivor Series versus last year's Survivor Series. Survivor Series is a very special event for Keith Lee. Last year's Survivor Series was the first time that Keith Lee looked like a main event star on the highest level. That was the the match that Keith Lee ended up being a survivor. Not sole survivors. Uh, there were two of them. But Keith Lee ended up being a survivor alongside Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns shook his hand and pressed at the end of the match. And you go, oh, wait. No, it wouldn't have been because they would have been on two separate teams. Whatever it was. Uh, at the end of the match, Keith Lee and Roman Reigns shook hands. Maybe Roman pinned Keith at the very end, but shook his hand and said, like, you're the man, dude. Uh, I'm very interested to see, and the perception of Keith leaving Survivor Series was like through the roof, going like, this is the guy. It brought him, you know, two months later into the Royal Rumble when he had that stare down with Brock Lesnar. That, those were the moments for Keith Lee that brought him to another level. Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. So I'm very interested to see what, like how Keith Lee feels coming into Survivor Series. You know, if it is the same or if it feels like, okay, I think he's uh, he's off course a little bit. Keith Lee might need to find himself. I'll tell you this. He had a lot of difficulty with Elias. A lot of difficulty. I was expecting that match to be a lot easier for Keith Lee. And it was interesting that, that Keith Lee uh, did not easily beat Elias. It, it was interesting because it feels like they're wanting to make Elias into a bigger deal, which I agree with. I think Elias is an amazing character when he's a bad guy. But also interesting in the fact that Keith Lee did not look as dominant as he did when he first got to Raw. Sheamus is also on the team. I think a good pick. I'm, I'm always okay with Sheamus. You know, I don't mind uh, building up Sheamus a little more. You, do I think he's going to have another title run? No, but I, I think that building up Sheamus to make him a very credible bad guy for good guys to beat is a good thing. So I'm okay with Sheamus being there. He had a great match with Matt Riddle on Raw. Don't get me wrong. That match was incredible. I was surprised that Matt Riddle lost. I I, I, I am a little worried about Matt Riddle. I, I was surprised that Sheamus beat Matt Riddle. Not angry because, again, I'm okay with Sheamus uh, getting ahead and Matt Riddle's young and can take a couple losses and it's okay. But I was... Surprised. I thought maybe Matt Riddle would be on the elevation train, you know? With a with a bad guy champion like Randy Orton, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if your title picture looked like Drew saying, I'm next in line, The Fiend saying, I'm right here, I want to take you down, Miz saying, I have the briefcase, and then, and then just right under all that, Matt Riddle is just sitting there building and building and building and building, and you're like, uh-oh, these challengers are not stopping for Randy Orton. You know, that's what I want it to feel like for Randy. So, um, so yeah, so I was pretty shocked that Matt Riddle ended up losing that match. Um, I, I Oddly enough, I was shocked that Matt Riddle lost, but not surprised that Sheamus won, if that makes any sense at all. I don't know if it does, but it has more to do with the two as individuals than it does, you know, as than, than it does just as one unit. I think... Uh, in terms of the other two people that will be in this match, I don't know. They might keep Drew McIntyre out of it, but I wouldn't be shocked if if maybe McIntyre ends up in the match. It could be McIntyre and Miz ending up in the match, you know, and the, and the interaction that the two of them have. Could be McIntyre and the Miz. Uh, or I guess it, it could be a representative from the Hurt Business, but I almost feel like the Hurt Business is just going to be all lined up with uh, with Bob Lashley in his match with Sami Zayn. Could be Angel Garza 
But, you know, I don't think you're going to do this pay-per-view without Drew McIntyre. So I would imagine Drew McIntyre and maybe The Miz. Maybe. Uh, as far as who should be on the SmackDown team, obviously we'll find out on SmackDown. But I think Kevin Owens is an easy pick. Um, I think Daniel Bryan is an easy pick. Uh, I think King Corbin is an easy pick. Uh, I would probably not put Lars Sullivan on there. Probably Seth Rollins. Because again, you're looking at, at, at a show where if you don't have a title match, you might not be on the pay-per-view. And then to round out the team, maybe Rey Mysterio. Probably Rey Mysterio over Aleister Black. Yeah, I might do Seth Rollins, Rey Mysterio, Kevin Owens, Baron Corbin, and Daniel Bryan. That's my SmackDown team, you know? And maybe Lars Sullivan comes in and disrupts the whole thing. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some Lars Sullivan activity on the pay-per-view. You know, there's still there's a lot of guys on SmackDown. You know, I think I think Murphy doing something, you know, Dominic doing something. But the fact that you've got Ray in the match, or maybe it'll be Dominic instead of Ray. I don't know if Ray is still injured to tell you the truth. Um, but yeah, that's probably probably how I would get it done. I think that's uh, that's the best way to do it. Either way, it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out. You know, doing a the one time of the year where Raw and SmackDown uh, collide, while it's interesting as a gimmick, it can be tough for storytelling. And, you know, we're so used to WWE being a cycle in of three, maybe four weeks of television and then a pay-per-view that the idea of stories being built on brands that won't be paid off until at least December feels like a lot. I, it's not a bad thing. Long-term storytelling is great. We're just not used to seeing it. So it'll be it'll be very interesting. Very interesting indeed to see how it all plays out. I appreciate you guys being here. I appreciate you guys being a part of the show. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to check out Not Sam Wrestling on the free version of the WWE Network uh, this Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. The show will go up. Brand new show. It's the Halloween special. The Halloween special of Not Sam Wrestling will be up Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, on the free version of the WWE Network. In the meantime, you can watch our premiere episode with X-Pac uh, as our guest. Uh, and we will see you next week, unless you're on Patreon. If you're at patreon.com slash Wrestling, we'll see you on Thursday for an episode of Thursday, Not Sam Thursday. If you're not, see you on Thursday anyway on the network. And then again, right here, Monday morning, for another episode of Not Sam Wrestling. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.